This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. Many of the 70 million Roman Catholics in the United States carry one in their pocket, a rosary. It's a staple of their prayer life and their devotion. It's also the subject of an interesting column or news piece, it's hard to tell, in the Atlantic, how extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. Now, that's a change in title from its original title, and it's stirred a little bit of controversy. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. This Atlantic piece, is it a news story, a commentary, or what? Let me answer your question with another question, which I I know to some degree may be ducking, but this is certainly a story that can inspire some ducking. By the way, you called this a column. I'm not sure at all this was a column. In fact, your question about what is this is exactly the question that people that get religion have been wrestling with more and more and more in, in recent years. So let me answer your question with a question. For most Fox News watchers, if Sean Hannity does a four-night series on what's happening on the Texas border with immigration, do you think most people watching that series think of it as news or not? I would guess that most of them think of it as news. And it's a kind of news. It is a, to put it in journalism history framework, which I used to get to do in the classroom, it's a form of European-style journalism. It's in a publication that is pretty open about its biases. And in the case of Sean Hannity, that is a commentary show. Everything on it is commentary. It's not, I mean, there's only one show on the Fox News Network that openly frames itself as a traditional news broadcast, and that is the 6 p.m. special report that Brett Hume founded years ago. So what are we dealing with here in the Atlantic Monthly? Well, let me back up a bit. We regularly talked about Atlantic and its religion coverage a couple of years ago because it used to do a lot of very strong coverage of religion, which served a very interesting role in the mainstream press. Because the Atlantic is respected so much, the essays that their former religion reporter, Emma Green, wrote on topics such as religious liberty, free speech, trends in Christian academia, I could go on and on. She wrote many pieces that mixed commentary with a lot of very hard factual reporting, especially actual quotations from legislation, from court decisions, etc. And I used to praise her work, even though it was commentary work. I used to praise it because she was actually beating 
the hard news press to important stories. And because it was written about in Atlantic, we could then see her commentary essay turn into a more traditional form of journalism in other publications, including many elite ones, because the frankly, the Atlantic Monthly is viewed as a doorway into elite coverage. I can think of very famous examples. The one that leaps to mind immediately is Philip Jenkins' famous as cover story for the Atlantic Monthly called The Next Christendom. And it was, frankly, one of the most important cover stories they ever ran, and it was about what we now see as one of the major stories in world religion, which is the collision between the growing churches of the global south and the fading, more modernist churches of the United States, European Union, etc. This is the plot you and I talked about recently. We see it in the Anglican tradition. We saw it at Lambeth. My column is about this this week. We see it in the United Methodist conflicts. We see it in some of the battles between the growing Catholic churches of Africa and Asia and the declining churches of Germany and other parts of Europe and parts even of the church in North America. So what I would argue, this piece includes what is held out to the reader with tons of examples and tons of URLs. It's held out as a form of reporting about an important movement on the Catholic right. And it, I think, is exactly the kind of doorway reporting that Emma Green used to do, but now this is a piece that is a doorway to some degree telling elite media kind of what they already want to believe, which is that there is a growing number of radical Roman Catholics who are dangerous and, as we see in the symbolism of this piece, potentially violent. I just saw online a Catholic publication noted that the original artwork for this piece, which was a rosary made out of bullet holes and then with a cross on the end of it, that the Atlantic Monthly has not only changed the headline of this piece, but has actually replaced the art to a, a traditional image of a rosary and taken away that very, very inflammatory image of a rosary made out of bullet holes. And the original headline, How the Rosary Became an Extremist Symbol, has been replaced with how extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. Now that's a major retreat from the actual thesis of this article. And obviously the Atlantic Monthly editors took a look at this thing or heard from a lot of people, perhaps even Roman Catholic bishops or people in the office of the U.S. Catholic Bishops Conference. They obviously got enough feedback that they changed the presentation of this article. I'm not a subscriber to the Atlantic Monthly these days, primarily because of the departure of Emma Green, but I'd be interested in seeing if they actually tagged this for readers to let them know about the changes that were made in the illustration and the headline. Oh, and by the way, both headlines still call the rosary a sacrament. 
Is the rosary prayer a sacrament for Roman Catholics? It is not. It is not. It might be referred to as a it loosely as a sacramental, which is a... It plays a sacramental role in their life, it's, correct. It, it's their way of saying sacrament adjacent. Well, they're, so their way of saying that sacraments are objects in the real world which are used by God. Now, but there are only a set number of formal Roman Catholic or Orthodox sacraments. Suffice it to say, rosary beads are not a sacrament. The use of well, I mean, I guess all prayer is sacrament adjacent, but this article goes way, way beyond this. Now, were you surprised at when you dig deeper into the article at what this article is actually seems to be interested in and scared of? Well, a little bit. It presents itself as a gun culture, but I think it's more about, I don't think the, the term was actually in the article, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's more about Christian nationalism. Perhaps. That's a, that's a very good connection there. But the, the thesis of this article is where an actual niche, fringe subculture, which I think the article proves it exists, that this fringe culture exists. But here's the thesis statement of the article. The theologian and historian Massio Fagioli has described a network of conservative Catholic bloggers and commentary organizations, big word there, organizations, as a, quote, Catholic cyber militia, unquote, that actively campaigns against LGBTQ acceptance in the church. These rad trad rosary as weapon memes represent a social media diffusion of such messaging and they work to integrate ultra-conservative Catholicism with other aspects of online far-right culture. Now, I have, in many ways, I don't understand what that second sentence is actually trying to claim. But the key is this article is trying to say that conservative Catholic organizations, especially maybe Latin Mass Catholics, but the article makes it clear pro-life Catholics and Catholics who defend the church's teachings on moral theology and sexuality all are adjacent or serving the same purpose as this extreme fringe that is draping rosaries over machine guns and making rosaries out of bullet shells and a host of other things. Along the way, it pulls in discussions of a very serious topic, which is used among Protestants, it's used among Pentecostals in particular, and it certainly is common in Catholicism, and that is the concept of spiritual warfare and spiritual combat, and thus the demonic. And toward the end, the article states, all of this is an attempt to make liberal Americans and liberal Catholics symbols of the demonic. Now, that's a particularly fascinating statement when you back up and look at the issues that it links this to, moral theology, sexual morality, and abortion. If you actually then start looking up 
Pope Francis, who is mentioned in the article as someone who's very big on the rosary and very big on language about spiritual struggles, it actually could have used, Francis has used some rather extreme images in the past related to these issues. In particular, you have his issue of abortion, something he has said a number of times that relying on abortion to solve a crisis pregnancy is like hiring a mafia hitman to shoot someone. Now, that's a fairly strong image. On another occasion, in discussing confusion over gender and efforts to promote gender confusion, he has said that this is quite simply the work of the evil one. And if you know Catholic language, you know that the evil one is Satan. It is the devil. So this article doesn't mention any of that. And there are people, I think, who frankly go too far with religious warfare imagery, spiritual warfare imagery. But this article, as the Catholic commentary and news publication, The Pillar, as J.D. Flynn, uh, he said, this essay is not so careful about its distinctions. It notes at one point, a Swiss guardsman at the Vatican says the rosary is a powerful weapon, and he obviously knows that demons are real. J.D. Flynn notes that's not saying he's willing to slaughter oncoming forces of marauders connected to these issues. So you said it was a category, a kind of a European category of journalism. How do we classify it? It's a form of news. The Atlantic Monthly is a news publication. It is a news publication known for its essays, which are based on hard reporting and can be considered a form of analysis. And I think it's very surprising this article does not carry an analysis blurb or label. But I think you just have to say this is Atlantic monthly journalism. And they have published through the years many very influential and important essays that helped change how issues are discussed in American journalism. And I have no doubt whatsoever that in some newsrooms, copies of this article were passed around and people said, wow, do we have any of these crazy Catholics in our area? And are they using rosaries in dangerous ways? And once again, I want to separate. Maybe this is the actual point we need to talk about the most. I want to separate the fact that there is accurate material in this article about a valid news subject, which is a small fringe of the Catholic far right, and the fact that it links those people to defenders of traditional Catholic teaching on issues of worship, moral theology, etc. Let me give you some comparisons. If you read conservative publications, you'll know that frequently they stress that the media censors a lot of photographs and videos and images that come out of gay pride parades because some of the people who march at gay pride marches are, frankly, the radical fringe 
of that movement, and they march in costumes that are absolutely obscene. And some of this has faded over into discussions of drag queen days at libraries, etc. Now, are those descriptions of those liberal extremists accurate? Yes. Is it fair to say that that is an expression of majority mainstream gay culture in America? Well, we can get into arguments about that, but quite frankly, I don't think saying that these people and these fringe groups exist, I don't think that's the same thing as saying those are beliefs and practices that are common, that are representative of gay culture in general. We also saw the same thing going on during the Black Lives Matter protests, where we obviously had some radical extremists, especially under the cover of darkness, who were showing up and were co-opting demonstrations for police reform and for racial justice, all of which was being called Black Lives Matters, but the press sometimes didn't do a good job of differentiating between the valid legal, I might add, demonstrations on behalf of Black Lives Matters and the illegal activities that were taking place using some of the same radicalized forms of the banners and some of the same imagery that showed up at night to burn buildings down to, in some cases, shoot shop owners, many of them black, etc., etc. One more image of this, I'm sure you through the years have seen examples where violent opposition to abortion is used as a way of saying that when inside the mainstream pro-life movement, violence is accepted as a way of fighting abortion, or even that nonviolent protests in front of abortion clinics, including in First Amendment protected forms, that those are potentially violent and encourage violence among the rare abortion opponents who do factually resort to violent acts. Most of the time you find out that those people have been thrown out of the pro-life movement in large part because they refuse to accept nonviolent means of protest. So it's common to take a fringe element and try to portray it as the whole of a social movement. We've seen that in publications on the right, with Black Lives Matters at times, and with gay rights causes. We've seen that on the left previously, and I think this article is an example of that. We've seen that related to the defense of church teachings on abortion and opposing abortion. Is that a valid form of news? I would say it's simply not accurate. It's telling readers that something is more common than it actually is, and most of all, it's linking mainstream movements to the actions of extremists who, in many cases, have been kicked out of those movements. So, Terry, the article covers, I think, a fringe, fringe group of Catholics, 
And while that's legitimate for news coverage, why was this article published by something as prestigious as The Atlantic? Well, I think the issues that it focuses on hints at what's going on here. Clearly, we're in a period of time right now where there are a lot of legal, at the Supreme Court, obviously, there are a lot of legal trends related to abortion and a lot of legal trends related to, well, drag queen story hour and education in public schools about sexuality and about gender confusion, et cetera, et cetera. I think the best way to look at this article is that it's trying to discourage mainstream Catholics and Catholic organizations who care about the Atlantic Monthly and who care about National Public Radio and who care about the New York Times and who care about the elite press is trying to discourage them from being active in these causes when the causes reach rather extreme forms. Let me once again answer the question with another question. Do you think this article was anti-Catholic? That's difficult to answer because it it depends on uh, how you read it. I think the average rosary-carrying Catholic is not some sort of radicalized militia member, and they have no reason to be offended by it, but many obviously were. Yeah. Do you think the editors of Atlantic Monthly are worried about the rosary in Joe Biden's pocket? Not in the least. Not in the least. I would say that this article, this is a provocative way of stating it, this article in the eyes of the editors is a pro-Catholic article. Why is that? That concept assumes that there are good Catholics and there are bad Catholics. You and I have talked about this many times. A lot of people think the press is opposed to religion. No, the press... Most of the press doesn't care enough about religion to be all that fired up about it. A lot of journalists, not all, but a lot of many journalists believe that there's good religion and there's bad religion. And the press is actually very, very supportive of good religion. Good religion does sanctuary communities for immigrants. Good religion marches against nuclear weapons. Good religion does a lot of things to help humanity. And there are definitely, look at this article, take this article, put it in a mirror and flip it around. Obviously, there are good Catholics who are fighting for LGBTQ acceptance in the church. The article says the bad ones are those who are opposing the other efforts. Well, that means the good efforts are trying to change the church and the bad efforts are those that are trying to defend the church's teachings on this subject and might even see the act of defending them as a form of spiritual warfare to use images that are very popular with the current pope. I don't know of anyone, any recent pope, who has talked as much about the devil and Satan as Pope Francis. Now, we can talk about how consistent he is with that, and I don't want to get into a discussion of Catholic politics, except to say this article presumes the existence of good Catholics and bad Catholics. 
It is an article written in support of good Catholics in their battles with the, what was that phrase? Conservative Catholic bloggers and commentary organizations. In their battles with conservative Catholic bloggers and commentary organizations, good Catholics have the Atlantic Monthly on their side in their, dare we call it, spiritual warfare against the Catholic right on these topics. And I love a good graphic that goes with an article as much as anybody. As a former copy editor, I spent a lot of my time trying to think of good art and looking for good art and making good art assignments. Whoever came up with the idea of a rosary made out of bullet holes was really pushing the edge on imagery in this story. But they were doing it for a good cause, and the good cause was to defend the elements of American Catholicism that want to see change on the issues that the Atlantic Monthly believes the Catholic Church needs to modernize on. So, once again, it's, it's a provocative way of stating it, I would argue that in the eyes of the creators of this article, this was a pro-Catholic article. And to be a pro-Catholic article, it meant attacking what it considers the bad Catholics. And it went out of its way to link mainstream Catholic conservatism to the actions of these fringe groups which, yes, are probably a part of something that can be accurately called Christian nationalism and extreme forms of American religion and politics. It's all about who you link people to. Journalism often is about portraying who's good and who's bad, who's smart and who's stupid, who's conservative, who's moderate, and a lot of other adjectives of that sort. And that's what this article was all about. With only a minute here, Terry, you said it's a type of news coverage. Why don't you consider this Atlantic column a hard news story? What's missing from it that would make it hard news? Well, I mean, there aren't any other voices that argue against the central thesis of the piece or who even debate it. There are zero voices who are there to help interpret what Pope Francis means by spiritual warfare, what the pro-life means when it talks about spiritual warfare. What opponents of current gender theory, like Pope Francis, mean when they say that they're engaged in spiritual warfare. It's half of a picture. And because you only get half of the picture, you don't really have a traditional journalistic presentation of the valid story in this piece, which is the existence of the small radical fringe. That's a valid story. It's worthy of coverage. But whoever covers that is going to find out that has nothing to do with the vast majority of conservative Catholic bloggers, commentary writers, priests, bishops, etc. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion. 
part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.